Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia DeBersier. And this week, we're going to be talking about the umbrella octopus, which is maybe the cutest animal ever. I don't know. I love it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So squishy and small. Um... But yeah, so this was a suggestion from Fuzzle22 over on our Apple podcast reviews. So thank you so much. We love hearing what you all would like us to cover. So please don't be afraid to reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at Beyond Blathers if you ever have a suggestion. Okay, so on to the umbrella octopus. If you bring an umbrella octopus to Blathers, he'll say, My feathers, could there be a more adorable sea creature than the umbrella octopus? I dare say not. These deep-sea octopuses are on the smallest side. Isn't it octopi? Okay, so this is... I think when I was listening to Ologies and they were doing a cephalopod episode, they said that octopi and octopuses both work. Okay. So I'm pretty sure that's the case. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Got that fact checked out of the way. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) those deep-sea octopuses are on the smallest side and use the cutest ear-like fins to flutter about. Meanwhile, it's the web stretched between their tentacles that gives them their name. Who? it's true. With arms stretched wide, they look for all the world like an umbrella, though surely the last thing the umbrella octopus wants is to stay dry. (laughs) (laughs) I like that a lot. Very cute. Yeah, definitely don't want this very gelatinous creature to dry out. That would be... Really bad. I'm pretty sure it would just like turn to dust because it is like so gelatinous. It's got to be like 99.9% water. I'm not sure if that's true. That's not a that's not a scientific fact. That's an (laughs) anecdotal fact. I wonder if anyone sells umbrella octopus umbrellas. Oh, we need to get on that. I would buy that. (laughs) That needs to be like a merch item. Yeah, that would be so cute. Oh my god, that would be adorable. Oh, I want that now. Write it down. We'll write yeah, it down. <laughs> okay. We'll have to do that. No one no one take our idea. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I guess we should talk about the actual animal here. Yeah, like you said, it's like the cutest thing I've ever seen in the deep sea. Normally deep sea creatures are like profoundly terrifying on a like primal <laughs> level. But this animal is like pink and like big eyes usually and these cute little ears and like even its tentacles are kind of stunted so it just looks like like this like kawaii version of an octopus like they're so cute it really does it looks like a real life plushie yes oh my gosh I really want a plushie now too there's so many so many like (laughs) merch opportunities Anyway, um, and I, I was thinking to myself while looking at it, I was like, this looks like the octopus in Finding Nemo, and it is. So in Finding Nemo, that like little pink octopus whose name is Pearl, she's apparently a flapjack op- octopus. So that's a type of umbrella octopus. And like, I don't know if you remember, like, she's that character that when she gets scared, she's like, aw, you made me ink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's so cute. Oh. I remember her well because... I don't know, you know, like, when Finding Nemo came out? In 2003. Yeah, and so I was just, like, six, and McDonald's had toys, like, in the Happy Meals that were from Finding Nemo, I think, and one of them was Pearl, and I got that one in my Happy Meal. 
And you could like put it in your bath with you, and I think you could like wind it up or something. Oh it my could gosh, do, it could move or something. I feel like I also got that one. I, f- I remember the bathtub. Maybe it wasn't pearl exactly, but I feel like I at least had like the sea turtle or something. Yeah, I'm getting like a deep childhood memory <laughs> trying to remember this. I remember there was the shark too. Dang, fun times. I fun miss times. It. Yeah, childhood. Well, also I'm about to like. Like, sorry, Pixar, but you got some things wrong. For for one, <laughs> umbrella octopus can't actually ink like other octopus can. So, yeah, that's one thing. Um, and also, they live very deep in the ocean. So not in, like, a reef ecosystem as is seen in the movie. So just some, like, little flim, flim flam from the movies. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that. But still an adorable character. And it's uh, uh. very memorable. So not fact-checking bladders this time, but no, Pixar but, instead. No, but Pixar instead. <laughs> Love <laughs> Sorry, that. Pixar. <laughs> so you said that Pearl is a flapjack octopus, and that's a type of umbrella octopus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is, like, a little bit confusing. So, again, bear with me. So umbrella octopus refers to a whole group of octopi that live in the deep sea and are part of what are called the serrate octopuses. So those are octopuses that have fins. So those little ear things, those are actually fins. And so that's what defines the group, among some other things. And as their name suggests, their tentacles aren't as free-moving as something like, you know, a giant Pacific octopus. Instead, their tentacles are connected by like a thin layer of skin webbing that, when outstretched, it makes them look like a floating umbrella just like Blathers was saying. And within this group, there's four main families of umbrella octopus. So two of which only have like one or two species, so I won't really talk about them. And the other two are colloquially known as Dumbo octopuses and the Flapjack octopuses. And each group has about 15 to 20 species each. So both really cute names. Uh, The Dumbo octopuses and the Flapjack octopuses look really similar. They both have big eyes, like a round top head area, uh, and those umbrella-like tentacles. But the main difference is that the flapjack octopi tend to look very squished, or sometimes look very squished, uh, like a flapjack would. And they've also been called the pancake devilfish. And I (laughs) wanted to say that because I think that's just the wildest name. Like, it's so contrasting. It is. I love that. Why would they call them devilfish? I don't know. They're really cute. I feel <laughs> like I, I have seen some pictures where they do look like a little bit creepy, but still, I, I feel like they don't suit that name. Yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. So interesting name there. And I mean, like you said before, Sophia, they are somewhat small. So the average Dumbo octopus is between 8 to 12 inches long. And the largest reported one being 1.8 meters long. So that's pretty long. That's but big, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I feel like that includes the tentacles being like stretched out. And cephalopods are so weird because they're basically just like this like amorphous ball of gelatin. Like, yeah. I feel like size with them is very relative. Just, like, kind of depending on what shape they've taken on. So, but in general, like, compared to other very large octopuses, they're small-ish, I would say. But, yeah, so despite this and being small-ish, they are still some of the largest invertebrates of the deep sea. So 
Yeah, mostly what you get down there. Pretty small creatures because there's not a lot of food and stuff. Yeah. Um, apart from things like giant squid, but anyway, whatever. We won't talk about them today. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, going on to, like, other characteristics of umbrella octopus is that if you look at their tentacles, they have one roll, uh, one row of suckers with little hair-like projections called villi along the edge of those suckers. And those villi are probably used as sensory organs to help them hunt and find food. And the last thing I wanted to mention that separates these octopuses from most other octopi is that they don't have the color-changing cells, chromatophores, that other octopus do, which means that they tend to stay the same color, which is usually like white, red, or dark purple. And regular octopus, you know, that we might be more familiar with, like, giant Pacific octopus, they have, like, amazing color variations and they can camouflage really well. But I guess as a deep sea creature, it isn't that helpful to be able to camouflage because there's, like, no light uh, and no one can see anything. So it kind of makes sense that color changing isn't a feature that's very important to them. That's so interesting. So... Yeah, they, they kind of don't have a bunch of those characteristics that you usually associate with octopuses, like the color changing camouflage and the long tentacles and ink, too. Like, that's quite different. And do you know if they're intelligent? I couldn't find much on their behavior because I guess because they're so deep sea dwelling, it's really hard to observe them. It's expensive. It's hard to find them in the first place because they're somewhat rare or at least widely distributed because, you know, deep sea is a big place. And you also can't, like, it didn't seem like there were any that have been able to have been brought to a lab and be studied because, you know, it's just such a big pressure difference. Like, they have such specific habitat requirements that you can't observe it very well. So, yeah, unfortunately, there didn't seem to be a lot about their intelligence, which is a bit disappointing because octopus intelligence is probably the most fascinating topic on the planet. Not to be biased (laughs) or anything, but... No, it's definitely really cool, but we've definitely come up against this with a lot of the deep sea creatures. There's just not a ton known. So I know they've got so that umbrella-like thing going on with their tentacles and having pretty short tentacles. So Do they use those to swim or do they use like the ear-like ones that Blathers mentioned? Yeah, so depending on the species, some mainly use ears for propulsion. Others will also be highly dependent on their tentacles as propulsion and to help steer. So it can be like a combination of those things. But they also have a siphon, which is what other cephalopods have to push themselves around. And I should probably say when I say cephalopods, I'm referring to octopus, squid, and nautilus, sort of that group of animals. So some species, the siphon, which is kind of like a tube that pushes water like out, it kind of acts like a, like a jet. And in some species, the siphon is really reduced or it isn't used very much. So it seems like the ears and the tentacles are the main mode of locomotion. And are those actually ears or they're just fins that are... They're just fins. By the ears. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I'm referring to them as ears, which is not at all accurate. (laughs) But I feel like in my mind, yeah, they they look so much like ears and they're called Dumbo octopus. So yeah, that's that's so cute. It's so cute. It's very accurate, too. They just look like little like puppies. I don't know why I think of that, but like 
I don't know. The ears just look very expressive to me. Yeah. But they're not ears. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> well, how deep in the ocean are they? Umbrella octopuses can be found deeper in the ocean than any other octopus. And uh, the deepest recorded one of them has been found at about 6,957 meters below the surface. So extremely, extremely deep into the ocean. And it's likely that they can also go deeper. It's just that the further down into the ocean we go, the less sampling happens there. So there's definitely a sampling bias. And as a result of like them being such deep sea creatures, they, like when you bring them out to the surface, they basically disintegrate. They're just like a gelatinous blob and really hard to distinguish. And so that's a little bit of a challenge there. In terms of where in the world they can be found, they can be found pretty much everywhere. Uh, so in temperate areas, in tropical areas, all the way up to the Arctic Ocean. So that's kind of a cool thing about deep sea creatures is it seems like in terms of like areas of the ocean, they're not that picky, if that makes wow. sense. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, that's almost seven kilometers down. Like, that yeah, is that's far. Oh, it's so scary. <laughs> yeah, oh, I can't imagine. That's so that. interesting. And so, what are they eating? Like, do they eat? I know some of the stuff we've talked about, they eat like marine snow. Yeah, they're kind of similar. They are eating small things, but it's mostly invertebrates in the water column. So, like copepods, bristle worms, amphipods, that sort of thing. And they are considered like predators. So they're eating, uh, as far as we can tell, live, small, planktonic kind of, kinds of creatures. Really cool. And do they have any predators themselves? There's not a lot of predators in the deep sea, but it seems like fish and marine mammals that can dive really deep, like tuna, sharks, and sperm whales, they can definitely be predators. And they have found what appear to be uh, umbrella octopus beaks in the stomachs of fish and other creatures. There are even some places near the poles where the water is cold enough that the umbrella octopuses can be found pretty close to the surface. And in those places, they can be eaten by fur seals. And in one case, there was even an umbrella octopus that was so close to the surface, it was captured in a dip net at like an ice fishing hole in the Arctic Ocean, which is so cool wow. to imagine that. You're like, wait, what is this? <laughs> you know, that like, is really cool. Deep sea creature. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of an interesting fact I'd throw in there. And how does their reproduction work? Like, I don't, I don't know very much about cephalopod reproduction when I think about it. I think, so in terms of umbrella octopus, like I said, they're kind of, it seems like their density in the ocean is pretty low, so it can be hard for them to find mates, or at least that's the thinking. Kind of hard to prove, but so there's a theory that maybe it's hard for them to find mates, and thus uh, the female umbrella, umbrella octopus has this ability to carry eggs at various stages of development at all times. So that way, if a male appears and hands her, basically the way the process goes is he has like a little packet of sperm and will like hand it to her, sort of. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she can take that and go ahead and fertilize some of her eggs right away, the ones that are like good and ready to go. Or she can hold on to that sperm until the conditions are right and she's found like a nice rocky seafloor to lay her eggs on and then she can fertilize them. So this is in contrast to something like a giant Pacific octopus, which 
only produces eggs at the end of her life. And she'll do that all at once and then take care of them, um, you know, like a loving mother uh, until she dies um, or until the eggs hatch or both. And so that's not the case with umbrella octopus. They will produce many eggs throughout their life and just sort of lay them and then leave is what it seems to be. Again, it's really hard to know these things really confidently and with all the species. So this is sort of what's thought to occur. Right. It's like, don't put your all your eggs in one basket. Yes, quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And what's also interesting, too, is like the... Like the giant, I keep using the giant Pacific octopus, but that's all, that's just because that's one I I know people are more familiar with. But they only live like one to two years. Yeah, and the umbrella octopus lives like three to five years. So they're really short-lived species, which has always amazed me about octopus. I always expect them to live so much longer. Versus like there are some species of fish which live like decades, and I don't understand how. Like an animal that seems so intelligent, like an octopus, can live for a short period of time. But I guess that's like a super like personified view of the world. Yeah, I guess I think of them as like similar to like dolphins or primates or yeah. something like that. Yeah, like maybe. Yeah, I guess that is maybe why. I remember we talked about it in a previous episode that that giant Pacific octopus only live one or two years, and that's just that is absolutely wild to me. That's like less than a hamster or yeah. a mouse or something. <laughs> it's so wow. weird. I mean, I guess they do produce like a lot of young. So it kind of makes sense for like, because usually species which only produce like one or two eggs at a time or something uh, or one or two young, they'll live longer, which is the case with the umbrella octopus. Like it seems like they're only laying one or two eggs at a time as they go. So, I mean, maybe that's related. I don't know. It's kind of an mm. interesting relationship. Yeah, definitely. And in terms of reproduction, I mean, how is that going for them? Like, conservation-wise, are they endangered or do we even know? I know it's hard with deep-sea creatures. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of species and most of them had no information. They were data deficient. I was surprised to find that there were some that did have uh, classifications. So, There were a few that were labeled vulnerable, according to the IUCN, and then there were two from New Zealand that were classified as nationally critically endangered and globally endangered. And those were the four blotched umbrella octopus and the roughy, yeah, the roughy umbrella octopus. And so I was quite impressed that New Zealand even had a classification for a deep sea creature. So that was really interesting. And all the ones with information available, they pointed to bottom trawling uh, as the biggest threat. So that is when, I mean, we've talked about bottom trawling before, but if you're new to the show, uh, it's when in fishing, there's basically like a big weighted net and it's dragged across the seafloor to catch a whole bunch of stuff. And it usually involves a lot of bycatch, which is in fishing when you catch stuff that isn't the targeted species that you're trying to catch. So it's a <laughs> it's not a great technique uh, for the environment. And so, yeah, in terms of the octopus, there's no specific measures in place to help them beyond like the efforts to prevent bottom trawling, which makes sense because when you're talking about species conservation, there's like not a lot of management tools that you can use for an animal that's living in such an extreme environment. Like we can't do like, I don't know, like make sure that they're all like their eggs are surviving like 
we can't take yeah. them in and try and make sure they hatch or anything like that. Like pretty much all we can do is try and make their environment a better place to live in. Yeah, more of those systemic changes for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, critically endangered is not great. So, no, it's not. And I mean, that's nationally. So, this is where it got a little bit confusing, but it seems like it was critically endangered for the populations in New Zealand, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So, yeah, I don't know how they were able to tell that. I was only able to find it in one paper, but um, I'd be curious how that sampling effort went. Like, how do you tell? So, yeah. No, I'm surprised to hear that too. Just the few episodes that I've done about deep sea creatures, it was like, yeah, pretty much no information conservation wise, but you can kind of almost always assume that they're affected by things like bottom trawling and maybe climate change and stuff. But yeah, yeah, I usually think that's like a safe bet <laughs> to mm-hmm. expect that. Although, I mean, to be fair, there are lots of situations where climate change creates like temporary positives for certain species like that's not impossible either you know it can cause booms in certain creatures that you wouldn't expect and that can cause population booms in other species anyway I just don't want to sound like there there are like not that it's good or anything but there are moments when unexpected things happen as a result of climate change anyway (laughs) yeah so to summarize what we learned today The umbrella octopus includes the very excellently named and arguably cutest of all the octopus, the Dumbo octopus, and the flapjack or pancake devilfish octopus. They are distinguished by their flappy ear-like fins, and unlike other octopus, cannot change color, nor can they ink. And they live deep in the ocean where it's hard to find a mate, and a mother octopus will fertilize her eggs whenever the mood arises. And finally, next time you watch Finding Nemo, you'll remember that while Pearl the octopus inking is adorable, she is very far out of her natural environment and we should probably worry for her. (laughs) Oh, poor poor, (laughs) Pearl. Oh my gosh. Poor Pearl. That's hard to say. Poor Pearl. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Olivia. That is, I learned a lot about the umbrella octopus and yeah, I just want a plushie. Please, like, that's I bet all that I exists. Want. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. We're going to um, Google it. We'll get yeah. like a Squishmallow octopus. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you everyone for listening. And please take a second to leave us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend about our show. Yeah, absolutely. And make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Beyond Blathers. We will be updating our merch store very soon, and we don't want you to miss it. Yeah, it's taken us a hot second, but we're like so close. We're to so close. Our big updates, so <laughs> please keep keep your eyes peeled. And of course, tune in next week to learn more about the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing: New Horizons. Bye. Bye. <laughs>